right, good morning, Sunrise, uh, on this bright and sunny morning. I want to welcome you here, uh, whether you're here in person or watching online. Um, it's a beautiful day. Let's start it with some worship. Why don't you stand if you're able and sing with us?
give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your
All right, you may have a seat. I'm going to invite Dan up to uh, give us some announcements. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Good. It is sunny. It's supposed to be 90 degrees, I think I heard, tomorrow. Yay. You guys all have air conditioning? No? This building does. <laughs> um, we do not have air conditioning. So for those of you who don't, we will, we will be standing in solidarity with you, um, sweating and with fans on. <clears throat> but uh, welcome this morning. My name is Dan. Whether you're here, like uh, was said before, whether you're here for the first time or you've been here for a while, you're in the room or you're online, we're glad that you're with us this morning on this holiday weekend. Uh, as we continue in our service, I want to make you aware of some announcements. There's a QR code up on the screen and on several of the seats in front of you. You can scan that. If you're new, there's a space there where you can ask us questions, give us whatever information you feel comfortable sharing so that we can reach back out to you to answer questions. If you've been a part of Sunrise for a while, you can use that to ask questions as well, to let us know prayer requests, update us on anything, and also to find out more about the information that I'm about to share with you, which we'll start with Three's Company. Three's Company is something that we do at Sunrise. If you've been in churches, you've probably heard of other churches doing this too, but it's where three units, families, singles, couples get together three times over three months and just have fun. What the agenda is, you guys get to decide what it is exactly that you do, when you do it, where you do it. That's all up to you guys. We don't program all of that. All we do is try to help make the connections. So you can use that QR code or stop by the connection table back here to let us know that you want to be a part, and we'll help orchestrate all that, make sure that you've got a group of people to be with. Next week, Bible Buddies is starting out. This is a new thing that uh, Julie, our children's ministries director, is starting for us, which is pretty cool. So this is an opportunity for kids to adopt a stuffed animal next Sunday and to pick up a reading plan, much like you do like at the library. And then over the summer, you can go through that reading plan with your stuffed animal, and there are prizes that you can get, ways to get involved that Julie is orchestrating. If you are an adult, if you are a youth group student, there are also reading plans for you. I don't know about stuffed animals for you guys, but you can ask Julie next Sunday out at the connection table. If you have questions about that or what's coming up, again, that QR code that's available in front of you is helpful. June 11th at 6.30 is a summer celebration. That's an opportunity for the church to get together and just celebrate the fact that it's summertime. And kids, you are invited. Students, whether you're in college or high school, middle school, elementary, bring some of your homework and we'll burn it. Either by, <laughs> either by the power of the sun and the heat or by the power of the fire, it will be burned. <clears throat> Uh, so those are some opportunities that are coming up for you. If you're new here, and I don't even know if this slide is actually correct. If it's not, we'll figure it out. But if you're new, you're in this space with us physically, stop by the Connection Center. We'd love to say hi. The part I'm not sure of is it says that there's a gift for you. If nothing else, there's a gift of a hearty handshake and the warm glow of welcome. Uh, if you're joining us online, be sure to let us know that you're joining us. We'd love to just notice you and reach out to you this week. Uh, okay, so this is a point in our service where everybody can stand up. Kids, you guys are invited to go back to the spaces that are designed for you. Everyone else, you can get some coffee, say hi to each other, use the restroom, whatever it is you need to do for the next couple of minutes. All right, go ahead and find your way back to your seats and we can start our conversation this morning. 
So, of course, uh, this is Memorial Day weekend, and so we appropriately want to take the time to acknowledge those in our lives, those who've gone before us, who have fought, who have given their lives, uh, sacrificing what they had for the sake of us being able to live in this country with the freedoms, with the privileges that we have. And so for those of you who remember loved ones who have gone before, who have died on behalf of this country, we stand with you. We stand, I mean, we, I think probably all of us know of someone who has passed uh, fighting for this country, and we, uh, we want to take a moment to uh, acknowledge that. So God, thank you for uh, not just the goodness that you bring to us through your son, uh, but that the, the space that we live in, we recognize doesn't just happen, that it happens because of the investment of many people, uh, many of whom have given their lives. And God, we appreciate Uh, the freedoms, the privileges that we have here. Uh, May we, as people who continue to live in this space, invest our own lives well so that this space that we inhabit continues to be a place uh, where your name is known, uh, where we can uh, seek to transform this world with your love and with your grace. In Christ's name, amen. It's been a crazy few weeks, right? This is nothing about the sermon, but I mean, we've had some pretty tragic things happen in our country. And it's not my job to engage that in any kind of political way. Uh, You can do all of that anywhere else that you want to. I'm not even going to talk about it for very long. But I think it's good for us to just acknowledge as a group of people together who are trying to follow Jesus well, whether we're in this room or elsewhere, that some pretty dumpy things have happened. People losing their lives uh, because of the ideology of some people Uh, that drives them to do things that maybe they would not have otherwise done. And there are kids (laughs) who are trying to recover from traumatic situations that they were involved in, that they and their parents never imagined they would be in. And parents who are waking up this morning with completely devastatedly broken hearts. And I don't know about you guys, but it can be difficult for me sometimes internally and even externally to be a person who engages a world like that, where all of those kinds of things happen, and it seems to be so pervasive, it's all we hear about on the news, to still walk forward through life well (laughs) with uh, not even just a smile, but with a sense of hope that there is an anchor somewhere that walks us through, that gives us a place that we can call home as we walk through everything that happens in life. And so I don't know how things have been impacting you over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if this morning you're feeling a sense of lightness, of hope, of optimism. If you are, that's wonderful. If you are not, just know that you're normal, that it's okay to be a human being. It's okay to have a sense of weight, of sadness. It's an emotionally intelligent thing to do, to just acknowledge those things. Um, What is... uh, both encouraging and discouraging at the very same time, is that this is not a unique space in history. We are not the only people who are trying to follow Jesus, walking through life in such a way where there are good things that happen, there are pictures of beauty, of grandeur, of hope out there in the future, where there are things that are encouraging happening right now, but where there are also some things that are just really challenging and draining happening. This has been the story of humanity throughout the course of history. And it's in the midst of all of that, whether it's now or way back in these times here that are represented by the timeline, that God, through the leadership of his people, has invited them and us to continue walking toward him 
across the rocky terrain of life that can at times be lush and beautiful and at other times be dry and cracked and sunburning to follow him well. And so though it is difficult for us in these moments of history and in these spaces to wrap our minds around what it is to follow God well, I want to stop and pray again, asking that we would be a people who can appropriately push the pause button on all of the things that are clouding our minds so that in this time and space together, we can gain what we need to so that we can continue to walk through this life well. So God, I, I pray just for that. Um, for all of the broken hearts that are in this room, for all of the hopeful hearts that are in this space, God, we recognize that you are with them, that you are with us. And sometimes life can be really hard, sometimes it's really messy, sometimes it is really great and beautiful. And God, I, we are thankful that you are our constant in all of that. And in being our constant, you have asked us, you have invited us to do, to be certain things so that we can be an expression of your anchoring love, of your anchoring presence, of your anchoring mercy and justice in this world. And God, I think that's what it is that we want to do as people who claim to follow you. So help us to use this time well, whether it's continuing to sing, to listen, to just mentally unload so that we can gather what we need to, let go of what we need to, so that as we walk through this next week, we're doing it with you well. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so that was a fairly lengthy introduction, but I want to continue our conversation on transitions. Next week is our last Sunday together with me as your lead pastor. There are transitions that happen in life, whether we are ready for them or not. I've not asked the staff this, but I wasn't completely sure that that celebration for the summer was happening on June 11th. I'm still not entirely sure if that's the celebrate that I'm leaving or not, but, <laughs> uh, but you guys should definitely come to that. It looks like a lot of fun, but transitions happen, and I want to look this morning at a transition, a significant transition that has happened in the life of Jesus's followers in the New Testament that we often look at. We look at this transition moment, this hinge moment in life, watershed moment, however you want to look at it, And we look at it through a certain lens, and I want to look at it again, hopefully for us, in a way that acknowledges that perspective we've brought to it before, but perhaps also surfaces for us a new sense of what it is that's happening in this moment of transition, and what it is that is written to, spoken for us. So this morning, what I want to look at is a story that happens somewhere around this body of water. This is the Sea of Galilee. There on the right, where you can see kind of that city that's in the all-white buildings, you see that there? Okay, cool. That is the city that Jesus pointed to as he stood with his disciples and said, you are a city on a hill, a lamp that cannot be hidden. This was Tiberias, a city that is just beautiful. And even during the day here with the sun shining on it, it sticks out. At nighttime, if you go there now, there are lights enough that your eyes cannot help but move to that spot. Now, I'm not talking about Tiberias this morning, but I bring that up to help you recognize that this is a place geographically where Jesus and his disciples had lots of conversations. This was not a new space for Jesus to bring his disciples. It was on one of these slopes here around the Sea of Galilee that Jesus fed thousands of people, where he multiplied fish and bread. 
The Sea of Galilee here is where there was a great storm. This was a place that was so normal for the followers of Jesus that to come to this space and to be talked to by Jesus could have felt like just another boring old conversation. We're at the dinner table again. We're having mashed potatoes and chicken and green beans again. But it's also in this space that Jesus goes through a transition with his disciples that is extremely meaningful. So much so that what he says to his disciples are words that we still say to each other in spaces like these, or in Christian schools, Christian colleges, missions conferences, whatever they are, the words that Jesus speaks in this moment of transition, in this space, are words that we hold on to today. And we're going to look at those together. And you're going to find these words in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew was a tax collector who decided that he believed Jesus was someone worth following. And so as he saw Jesus, as he heard what Jesus taught, Matthew decided to keep a journal and write that down so that those of us who would come after Matthew could see what Jesus was like, what he did and what he taught through the lens of someone who at first did not embrace Jesus, but later did. And near the end of Jesus' time on earth, Matthew says that this happened. Jesus came to them, this is the disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, hold on. Right, right now, those of you who have seen this passage before are like, okay, chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, I'm out. Stay with me, okay? There's some good seasoning on this stuff, I promise. He continues, and he goes on saying, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm not going to show you that slide yet. I did, but I'm not going to. So Jesus gathers his disciples and he brings them to this space, a place they have been to before, and it's up on a mountainside. As you can look at this, you might think, well, that doesn't look very mountainous to me. It looks like just a big hill. This is Charlie's dump with water in the bottom. I mean, it does kind of look like that, but for this space, for this geographical area, this is a mountainside. Now, I alluded to it a little bit, but there's some significance here that Jesus brings his disciples to a mountain, that he brings them to this space of the Sea of Galilee. It's almost as though he says, hey, let's all gather around and let's look at this open house table of all of the things that have happened during our time together over the last few years that you have invested your life learning about me and my ways. Let's just take a moment to be in the space together to recognize that on this sea, we once spent a night on choppy waters. It was on one of these mountains here where you saw that the authority that God had given me was enough to provide food for thousands of people. You recall the language that I used when I said that you people are a unique group of people. Yes, that one of you wants to kill politically uh, people who you disagree with politically. That's what a zealot was. Somebody who would go around and try to kill folks who disagreed with what this person wanted them to do. One of these people was a follower of Jesus. One of you is someone who betrayed me three times. You denied that you even knew me just a few days ago 
as I was being crucified, but you're still someone who is unique enough, someone who is precious enough to what it is that I'm doing in this world, that I'm going to call you what that white city is up there, something that sticks out in such a way because I love you, that you're attractive to the world around you, whether the sun is shining bright or the world seems dark. You're a city on a hill. Jesus brings these people here, this This moment in time, this episode that we're watching is between the time that Jesus has been crucified, dead, and resurrected, and he revisits his people. We see now this episode where Jesus is with his disciples, and then after this time together is where Jesus ascends into heaven. And so this is a significant transition moment, a moment where Jesus says, you have been with me for the last three years. I have given you the things that I think that you need, and now it is about time for me to leave. So let's come to this mountain, and let's talk. And it's not a very long conversation. They all gather together, and in this space, they begin to worship Jesus. I don't have that slide here. I don't know why I don't have it. But it says, when they heard about this, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. If you have your Bible there with you, you can see that passage there. I'm sorry that I don't have it on a slide. Now, why would Matthew include that piece, that they respond to who Jesus is by worshiping him, but some of them doubted? I think it's for very clear reasons. One, the proper response to Jesus' presence and him spending time with us is worship. But the fact of the matter is, the world and the occurrences in it sometimes are so heavy that it can feel like there's nothing to do in the moments when Jesus shows up, but to doubt (laughs) that Jesus is strong enough, that he will be with us long enough, that he will guide us in such a way that we can navigate the ups and downs of life with him in a way that brings us closer to him. And so if you're someone who, over the course of the last few weeks, or even right now, is feeling a sense of doubt, that's okay. The all-stars of Jesus, the 12 disciples, there are at least some of them who are doubting too. These people who followed Jesus then, and the people who follow Jesus now, are real people. And at no point does Jesus wag his finger at them and say, shame on you for doubting. No. He continues to have a conversation with them. So he gathers all, oh, here it is, right here. Right there, I found the slide. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Okay, we just talked about that, so now we can move on. Jesus comes to them and he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? All of it. That's a lot of authority right? I mean, I'd like to think I'm not the only one here, but there are moments when I'm driving down the highway when there are dense trees on either side. You know, on the other side of the highway, the traffic that's going the other way can't even be seen because there are so many trees. You know what I'm talking about, those spaces? It's in those spaces that I count on the authority of the police not being there. And I like to see how quickly I can get my car going really fast. Am I the only one? Okay, okay, well... God loves all of us, right? It's in those spaces that I like to go fast because I am very convinced that I will very easily be able to see if there is a state trooper out there who's going to catch me. I have 
a fair amount of control over my perception of the authority that the state police have in that space. Some of you count on there not being a certain amount of authority from a government agency or your boss or your kids or your spouse or whomever in some spaces of life. You don't even have to say it out loud like I just did in front of you. But you know that it's true. And that's okay. Because again, we're human. And I don't think that Jesus is saying these words to his disciples. I don't think that these are words for us in order to make us feel like, we're always under God's thumb. I think it's a reminder because remember the space that they are in, the space that we're seeing on the screen is a space where they have seen and we have read stories about the authority that Jesus brings to bear in this world. An authority that says to a woman who has been unfaithful so many times that she's about to be stoned by a group of religious zealots, Jesus doesn't come in and say, Stoner, give me the first rock. But he brings his authority into that space, all of authority of heaven and earth. He brings it in and he says, Whoever of you is innocent of anything, go ahead and throw the first rock. Into a space where there is so much injustice, where there is so much need for Jesus to speak and to teach about who he is, that there are thousands of people watching him and they are there losing track of time and they don't have food to eat for whatever reason. Maybe they don't have jobs, some of them. Maybe some of them are illegal immigrants. Maybe some of them are just poor planners in life. But for some reason, they are sitting there and they don't have food. And Jesus doesn't say to the disciples, all right, guys, what I want you to do is spread out Go out to everybody and find out the percentage of food that everybody has, the amount of income that they have, and then let's figure out what we can ask for some people to donate, and then we'll have a potluck style. No. Jesus brings all authority in heaven and on earth, and in a space where people have need, regardless of why, he opens the door of heaven. And he says, I'll give you what it is that you need. These are the expression of God's authority, both in heaven and on earth, that Jesus is bringing to bear in this moment. And then Jesus says something that's just absolutely ridiculous. There's a, you guys, I won't say your name because I don't know if you're comfortable with it, but there's someone in our church who has a Tesla. One of the first things that he said to me when we got here was, you can drive my Tesla if you want to, which to me was just bananas, because I'm just going to be real with you guys. If I had a Tesla, there's no way I would ask any of you if you wanted to drive it, (laughs) because that Tesla brings with it a lot of sacrifice, right? Teslas aren't cheap. Teslas are nice vehicles. Teslas are cars that you want to take care of. At least if it was mine, I would. I would want to be very careful who I gave that to in order to steward it, right? Jesus comes to his disciples and he reminds them, all authority, Tesla, in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. And then being the stingy person that God is, he then says, now... Go and make disciples. The first thing that Jesus does after he says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, is he gives it to his disciples. 
He doesn't hold it for himself. He doesn't say, this is my privilege. This is my power. I'm sorry that you don't have it. If you were like me, if you were me, no, hold on a second, I'm killing this. If I were you, I'd want to be me too. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, you guys, it's been a really great time spending the last three years with you. We've had some great memories. I'm a really great guy. And you have some things that you've got to do to fix your lives. I'm going to leave with all of my goodness, and I hope you guys make it okay. He says to the people who are there worshiping him, he says to those who are doubting him, all of this authority that has been used to feed people, all of this authority that has looked into the darkness of your soul and has said, I love you, I am giving that to you. And I want you to do something with it. He says, I want you to go and make disciples. Now, this is super simple, right? (laughs) Go make disciples. All that means is go make people who become students of mine. Super simple. But it's not easy. Because we all collect, as we walk through life, our own sense of authority, right? We try to gather that up. We put in the hours at work so that we have more authority. We go to the gym or we run or we eat a certain way so that it gives us a sense of control over our lives that we can use to influence other people, right? And inside all of us, there is this conflicting sense of authorities, this authority that we want to have, that we want to grow and we want to exert on other people, the authority that folks outside of us have that they try to press onto us, and according to this passage, an authority that every follower of Jesus has been given by God himself. And that is why this simple instruction to go and make disciples is not easy, And so Jesus breaks it down a little bit, and he says, here's how I want you to do that. I want you to go and make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I hope you all feel very comfortable with baptizing people. We're going to have a lesson on how to do that after the service today. That was a joke. That did not land well. Wow. (laughs) There's a whole lot here that has to happen before someone is baptized. I mean, You guys grew up in this area. If you're part of this church, you've grown up in churches, you know that there is a pathway of life that happens to get to the point where someone is baptized. It doesn't just happen. Someone walks in the church, hey, welcome, what's your name? Let's baptize you this morning. No, this is a stand-in statement, shorthand for, I know your name. I know your story. I know your kids. And I've acknowledged life with you in such a way that we're able to talk around our dinner tables. We're able to talk at Hager Park in our threes companies groups as we're picking up our kids from Sunrise Kids at the summer celebration. We've been able to just talk and get to know each other and talk about the struggles of life and faith and how to navigate the two. And in the course of those conversations, able to encourage each other, help each other understand the right way to live so that you're to the point now where you're saying, I want to follow Jesus well too, and I want to publicly proclaim that, and so the way I want to do that is I want to be baptized. 
Now that right there is a whole lot packed into one word, right? Baptize. Now for a moment there, I think it's good for us to just pause. <laughs> because I don't think the thrust of this, the focus is on actually taking your hand and putting it on the upper back of someone else and then taking their hand and cupping it over their nose and then dunking them down into the water and back up. I think what Jesus is saying is, are you investing your lives? What I want you to do is invest your lives in such a way in the people around you that maybe over the course of three years, like it was for Jesus with his disciples, or 20 years or 30 years, however long it has been that someone has walked with you, I want you to invest your life in those ways so that the people around you will eventually move to the point where they will say, I'm captivated by the life and the story that you're sharing with me. And I want to live into that story too. Pause button for a minute. Who's on this mountain with Jesus? The disciples, right? Note for a moment, it's not Jesus' board members. It's not the synagogue priests. Jesus didn't send an email out for an event bright invitation for anybody who wanted to spend enough money to be there to come and show up and hear these words. These are words that are given to people who are so convinced that Jesus is real in this moment that they're worshiping him and those who are in this space doubting whatever it is about Jesus. We don't even know what, maybe that he is even Jesus or that he has authority, or that he can even offer them something that's useful to life. These are the people who were there, and it is to all of them, Jesus says, this is what I want you to do. Sunrise. The work of living a life in such a way that your actions and your words display who Jesus is, is not only for your pastor, It is not only for your board of directors or your elders or your staff. It's not even just for the volunteers in the children's spaces or those who sign up for Three's Company. It is for all of us. Whether you're in this room or you're watching online, these words are for every follower of Jesus. So Jesus says to these folks who are here, these words that are for us today, is that all authority has been given to Jesus. You know what kind of authority we're talking about because we spoke about that. And that that authority has been given to followers of Jesus so that they would help other people become followers of Jesus. But then he goes on to say something else. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And this is the part here that I want to focus on. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. I'm with you. I'm with you. I know that pastors give lots of examples, lots of illustrations about kids, and I'm going to do that right now. I remember with our kids growing up in their little teeny tiny years, like 
just getting to the place where they didn't need diapers kind of years. When they would be scared in certain moments. You're pushing them, some of you will remember this. You're pushing them on a swing and you're pushing from behind and you push just a little bit higher than normal and maybe your cadence in pushing isn't quite what it was before and it just changes a little bit and your kid might turn around and look to see if you're still there. Or nighttime. They wake up in the middle of the night. Maybe this happened to some of you last night and they're scared. Maybe it's a grandkid, a niece, a nephew, whatever it is. They're scared because they're having a dream about a snake. Because they read a book or they watched a show or read a comic book, whatever it is, and they've gone to bed that night with this sense that there is an authority, there is something in their lives that can overtake them in the spaces where you are not. And some of the most helpful words that you have spoken to your kids or that have been spoken to you are just these words. I'm right here. right here. We went to a concert the other night. Lots of people around. And of course, at the conclusion of singing, everyone has to leave and get back to their cars. And everyone does that in a very orderly, calm way. What's the first thing you're going to do with your kids in those moments? Hold hands, right? Because I want you to walk through this space, this chaos, with me. I am with you. This is what Jesus is saying. In the moments of transition, when I am not going to be with you anymore, Jesus says, I want you to know that all authority that I have to do all of the things in this world that bring justice, that bring mercy, that bring value, that bring equity, that bring... Whatever it is that is positive, that isn't a way of gathering more authority for myself, make sure you pay attention to that. All of that kind of authority I am giving to you. Use it well. And I'm going to be with you. Kids who are graduating from middle school. Is it middle school still or is it junior high? I always get it mixed up. From one grade to another, where you're going to a new building. Students who are graduating high school to college, college to a master's degree. Those of you who are moving from no career to a career or a career to no career, whatever transition in life that it is, this still remains true for you. These are not just words for the disciples who were on this mountainside a long time ago. The words that Jesus is with you are still true today. And they're made, those words are made based on the authority that has been given to Jesus. And it is an authority that is from both heaven and covers all of heaven and earth. I'm with you always. Now these are important words. And for those of us who pay attention, we know that at the very beginning of Matthew, this is kind of a cool thing that Matthew does, uh, we're told that the virgin should conceive, and this is Mary, bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's the name of Jesus. (laughs) The name that Jesus is given at the very beginning of this book is God is with us. Matthew writes that into the very beginning of this letter. At the very end of Jesus' earthly life, 
the very end of his story about what it was like to live with Jesus, Matthew says, hey, here's a nugget for you. I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. How much authority does Jesus have in this passage? All. All. How much of that does he give his followers? All. So no matter what what transition you're going through, a pastor leaving, starting a new job, going off to college, trying to figure out how in the world to navigate a hot summer with no air conditioning, Don't forget these words. This is not the Sea of Galilee. This is your neighborhood. This is right out here. A space that we've been in, that we've lived in for a while, that when we gather in a space that we've been in before, it can feel like chicken and mashed potatoes and vegetables. But it's in this kind of space. This is Hudsonville Jenison right here. That some followers of Jesus went to and it's a space they were used to going. And when they heard about Jesus' teaching, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And that's okay. The teaching of that day was that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And so go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded you. And surely Jesus is with you to the very end of the age. At the conclusion of this conversation, the disciples went back to their jobs. They had to carry with them in their memories and in some of the writings that some of them had that they were beginning to develop some of the teachings that Jesus gave them to help anchor them as they walked back into their workspaces or their kitchens or their living rooms, school rooms, whatever it was. They went to all kinds of places. Sunrise. Where are you going? And I don't mean this collectively. I mean this individually speaking. Instead of saying all of your names individually, I'm using the word sunrise. Where are you going? What are you doing in the places that you go? And for what reason are you doing those things? Jesus doesn't say, make sure you only go to these spaces. He says, wherever it is that you go, what I want you to do is live a life and use words that show people who I am. And why should we do that? For what reason? So that people would follow him. So that they, like we, and like these disciples, could have an anchoring point in our lives, a relationship with Jesus that orients us so differently that we turn from being a tax collector or from being someone whose life we think the purpose is to 
verbally online excoriate people who disagree with us politically, or people who are so interested in protecting ourselves that when people ask us about Jesus, we say, nope, I don't even know the guy. At some point, we turned from those things enough to say, I want to follow Jesus well, and I want to become someone who helps introduce him to the world around me. For some of us, that brought a sense of hope, of direction, of reorientation, because we tasted a love and a grace that transformed our lives. And that, that is what Jesus calls us to do. So don't use your power, your authority. Use God's. Don't use your power and your authority to gather and to protect your privilege and to point your finger at people who don't have it. Instead, use your power to give up your privilege for the sake of others. That's what Jesus invites us to do. And that is what brings people to say, I want to follow and live into this story. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for inhabiting spaces that we have been in for so long. They they feel very comfortable in spaces where we can let down our defenses and listen to things that you have to say. Thank you for being with us in ways that we can understand and in some ways that we just will never be able to wrap our minds around. We're going to leave this room, we're going to leave this online space and go back to whatever it is that we have planned. Plans to have a lot of fun with people this holiday, plans to just sit and reflect and look through memory books of those who've gone before us, who've lost their lives, trying to give us this world that we have right now. Some of us will reflect on the ways that you've changed our lives by loving us well. In all of those things, even if for just right now, and if only half-heartedly, we acknowledge that you're with us. And we celebrate that you have, that you brought to bear, and that you give us an authority that gives itself away for the sake of other people seeing and knowing and following you. So help us to live just like that, so that we can transform this world with your love and with your grace. Amen. At the end of every service, we sing a song. We have time where people hang out and talk, talk to little kids and have fun with them, whatever it is. There's also a bucket back here that uh, there's an orange sign in front of where you can put in a donation if you would like to. As a church, as people who are trying to follow Jesus, again, some of us come into this space ready to worship. Some of us come in with a feeling of doubt, and that is okay. Those are only two ways that folks can show up. (laughs) We can all leave differently. So whatever it is you need to do in this time and in this space at the end of our calendared time together, our prayer is that you would lean into that, that you would leverage that so that as you leave this space, you can leave with the confidence of knowing that Jesus goes with you and gives you an authority that helps you navigate this life well.
As I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Nothing can stand 
We serve a Jesus who has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he's given it to us to steward well. Take that authority and give it away. Use it to help other people see the love and the grace of Jesus. All of us, not just us pastors, not just us elders or directors, but all of us. Sunrise, we love you. I want to see all of you guys next Sunday, so I'm just going to make a bold, selfish ask. (laughs) Will you be here next Sunday? If you're online and you're watching, will you plan to be here Sunday? I'd love to say goodbye to you. I'd love to give you guys hugs if you want, or just a wave, whatever that is. But next Sunday will be our last Sunday here as lead pastor. Um, I'd love to see you guys. So I hope it's okay for me to say that. Um, We love you guys. Have a great week.